Our scripture reading for this morning is taken from the book of Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, beginning with verse 20. And the Lord, through Moses, gives these commands. When your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe, against Egypt, Pharaoh, and all his household. Then he brought us out from there, that he might bring us in to give us the land of which he swore to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God, for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is to this day. Then it will be for righteousness for us, if we are careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would strengthen our faith through them. Amen. Right now in Kansas City and in San Francisco, there are two NFL football teams preparing for the Super Bowl. And in their war rooms, they are looking at their opponent and probably the number one concern on the minds, on their minds is how can we take away the other team's greatest weapon? Generals do this when they go to war. They often, they often look at the strengths of their opponent that they're gonna be fighting against. And this is their number one concern. How can we minimize, neutralize, kill, destroy, take away their greatest weapon. And the same happens in the spiritual realm. The devil and the world in our sinful flesh look at the kingdom of God, they look at the faith that gets passed on to us, and they say to themselves, how can we destroy the greatest weapons that God has given for the passing on of this faith? And that is why marriage and parent and child relationships are under some of the greatest attack in the spiritual realm. The devil and the world rages against these strengths in the kingdom of God. Why? The devil is a very good theologian. He knows the significance God has placed into the role of being a mom and a dad, a husband and a wife. And if he can mess that up, if he can destroy that, if he can stir up trouble in the home and in the marriage, if he can cause a breakdown somewhere in there, he can often do a lot of damage in the kingdom of God. Our Lord is addressing this important subject to the children of Israel as they are on the great exodus. And he gives these commands, and it starts with a very interesting little scenario. God says, when your son or your daughter, when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is the meaning of the testimonies, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you, then you shall say to your son, God is specifically setting it up that he wants these conversations to take place in the home. It's what some have called dinner table theology. There's a very delicate transfer of the Christian faith 
from one generation to the next that takes place in little conversations with questions back and forth and stories that are told back and forth generation to generation. And they have tremendous, this, this little interchange has tremendous significance in the kingdom of God. <clears throat> About 20 years ago, I was talking to an official in the Wisconsin Synod, and they had done a study in their church body. <clears throat> they wanted to find out how effective their Christian education system was. The Wisconsin Synod is a fantastic education system. And so they went and found students that had gone from kindergarten all the way through graduation of high school, 13 years of Christian education. And they wanted to find out from them what kind of an impact did this have on their spiritual life, their worship life and things as they got older. So they, they started with people who were now, I believe, at least 25 and older and began to interview hundreds, it may have been thousands of them, and something came out of this study that was very unexpected. In, in homes where the child, let's say, who's now an adult, in homes where a child had grown up, where the parents didn't go to church but sent them to a Christian school every year for 13 years, the kids that came out of those homes had the same delinquency rate as people who never went to a Christian school. And in essence, what the study showed them is that if church attendance is lacking in the parents, you can't assume that putting your child at the feet of a Christian educator for 13 years is going to make up for that. The delinquency rate was just as bad as people who never went to church or never went to the Christian schools at all. Now, coupling good Christian education with good Christian parenting at home and demonstrating that through church attendance, that's the best and the strongest. Well, basically what that study showed them, and really what God says to us throughout his word as well, is this. When it comes to being a Christian parent, don't expect other people to raise your kids in the faith. Don't think having some fantastic youth leader at your church is going to overcome your weaknesses as a parent of not wanting to bring them up in the faith. The most significant way of passing on the Christian faith is typically parent to child. And we are never to underestimate that important role and how significant it is. In my Norwegian heritage, both sides of my family go back to Norway. If you went back far enough in my ancestors and, and could listen in on dinner conversations all the way back for generations and generations, you'd finally hit, on both sides, you'd finally hit a family conversation that was centered around Thor and Odin and Balder, the great Norse gods, and all the sacrifices that they, people have to make to them to make things happen in their life, sometimes maybe even involving child sacrifice. That's the kind of conversations that took place around the dinner table in my distant, distant family. But at some point in time, there was a new conversation that involved Christ and the salvation he had come to bring and the word of God. And from that point on in my family tree in history, that passing on to the next generation is the primary path by which God has reached my heart with the gospel, to believe and to trust in Christ as my savior. Yes, faithful pastors along the way, faithful Christian teachers along the way, but the primary path has been through the home. 
God wants us to understand that tremendous significance. Notice in our text that God assumes that someday your children are going to be inquisitive about the things of life. They're going to ask the big questions of life, and they come early. Uh, little kids can come up with the biggest, toughest questions sometimes. Where did we come from? Where are we going? What's this life thing all about? Is there a God? The biggest questions that still challenge humanity today show up even in the minds and hearts of little children. During the great exodus, you can only imagine the kinds of stories that these families told their children and passed on to them that they had witnessed with their own eyes, sacrificing a lamb and painting its blood on the door, the great deliverance of God's people the night of the Passover, going out and seeing the, the great pillar of smoke and, and the crossing of the Red Sea, going down into the waters. Can you imagine all the types of stories that these families could have passed on to their children? And inside of all of these wonderful narratives was Christ. Christ was accompanying and inside of all, these, all of these beautiful stories. And Jewish families were known for passing these things on to their kids. In fact, they had a, during the Passover celebration, Jewish families had a practice of making sure that the youngest child in the home who was able to get up and speak in front of everybody would be the one to tell the Passover story to the rest of the family, to make sure they knew it and had learned it. Kind of similar to the way a lot of families in Christian homes would do Christmas, the Christmas story as well. Confessing Christ to the world begins at your dinner table. It begins at the bedside of your child. And one of the most important questions you as a college student need to ask yourself right now in life is this, is this question. Who will be by my side to teach our children? Will it somebody who will be helpful in that regard or a deterrent in that regard. Selecting a spouse to help you pass on this precious knowledge of Christ to the next generation is of extreme importance. Don't, don't pass that off as if it's something that can happen down the road. Now is the time to be thinking about that, such an important issue. The best weapon that I have observed in families through all my years, the best weapon that I have observed for fighting off the devil and unbelief is family devotions, even if it's once a week. To make sure that your child sees that this faith we have in Christ is not just about Sunday morning, but it permeates everything we do in life. It permeates our entire conversation. It permeates how we think about things, how we deal with one another, how we relate to one another. And God would have us connect all of these things back to his wonderful commands for us. Notice how frequently in the text it says, be careful to observe all these commandments of the Lord, the mandatum dei, we call that, the command of God. When God gives his command to his people, it's always for our benefit and for our blessing. And we are to be careful as to how we pass those along. Because wherever those commands are found, wherever scripture is taught in its, in its faithfulness and entirety, there the precious knowledge of our Savior, the forgiveness of our sins, the hope of life in heaven will be the central theme in all of those discussions. I'd just like to close with a strange picture to put into your mind. When I was a child, I remember at some picnic or something, somebody 
got us involved in an egg toss contest. I don't know if you've ever been in one of these. And one of the silliest little games you can have. But everybody would line up across from each other and lob an egg to each other. And then you'd take another step back and lob the egg a little further. And not only the person tossing it had to be careful, but the person receiving and catching it had to be taught how to catch and receive it in order for it to not break. Now let's go from something that is so mundane and ridiculous, a child's game, to the most important thing you will do as a parent. And that is passing on this wonderful gospel of Christ. Your, your toss of that to your children is of extreme importance. But the teaching your children how to receive it, likewise, is of extreme importance. Through the centuries, the church, by its liturgies and hymns and, and through its instruction, has given us wonderful advice and direction on how to properly make that transaction from one generation to the next. Respect, respect those wonderful truths. Respect how that gospel has arrived to you. Teach your children how to cherish that and appreciate that so that they catch and receive this wonderful knowledge of getting to heaven the same way God has given it to you. Amen. Please rise for prayer. Before our common prayer together, we have a prayer request today for Donna Wold. This would be the mother of Paul Wold and the grandmother of Kelsey, one of our students. She suffered a severe broken leg and will undergo surgery for that today. Let us pray. Our gracious Father in heaven, at your invitation, we approach your throne on behalf of your child, Donna. Grant ability and knowledge to those who now care for her. If it's your will, we pray that you would provide healing and a full recovery from this injury. Comfort her with your presence through your word. Strengthen her confidence in the gracious promises you have given to all of your faithful through the work of your son, that you will work all things for our eternal good. We commit her into your hands, asking all of this in Christ's saving name. Amen. And please join me in the prayer that you'll find on page 150 in the front part of your hymn book, Collector Prayer Number 23. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that by your grace you have instituted holy matrimony in which you keep us from unchastity and other offenses. We beseech you to send your blessing upon every husband and wife that they may not provoke each other to anger and strife, but live peaceably together in love and godliness, receive your gracious help in all temptations, and raise their children in accordance with your will. Grant that all might before you in purity and holiness. Put our trust in you and lead such lives on earth that in the world to come we may have everlasting life through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen.